Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Hello? Hello? Is there, any, is there anyone out there? If you can hear me, I, I need you to send out a search party. Yeah, yes, I need you to send out a search party and, 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 and find me. I need you to rescue me. My location? I'm somewhere in the subject of church and state, and I've gotten lost, and I can't find my way out. Okay, I know you say that I'm being ridiculous, but that's how I feel right now. I started this like, oh, this will be a fun little study. The, the Free Grace Broadcaster, they put out an, an, an issue on church and state or state and church. I can't remember exactly. In fact, let me look at the exact way they have it written here. Um, let me go back up to the beginning. Uh, they have... They have it uh, listed as church and state. The Free Grace Broadcaster, issue 258. I'm like, oh, I'll just tell everyone about this and, and we'll do some work on it. it it'll be fun. And no, it's, no it's, it's not fun anymore. It, it's not fun anymore. Now I feel like literally that I'm lost in the middle of nowhere. I need someone to send out a rescue party to get me out of it. Now I know what I could do. I know what I could do. I could just, you know what? Just don't do any more broadcast about it. Just, just ignore it. Don't ever mention it again. Because typically what happens is most people will just say, oh, well, whatever. They'll just move on. They'll just move on. And they won't even care. Uh, but that, I mean, because pe- people have lots of things to listen to. So they'll be like, okay, well, he talked about that for a little while. He forgot about it. I forgot about it. Everybody moves on. But I don't feel like I can do that because I feel like this issue of church and state is so critical right now because there's so much debate, confusion, and discussion about it. But we, ha- so I have to try to, I have to find my way back out of this and bring us to, uh, well, at least that we can move further into this discussion. But before we do all of that, I guess what I actually need to do is give you the, the introduction, don't I? Welcome, everyone. It is Sunday, January the 16th, 2022. It is currently 429 p.m., and I'm lost. And I need to find my way out. So let's see if we can accomplish that. Are you ready? Okay. Here's one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just talk briefly why I'm going to continue to talk about this subject, even though I know it's not the most popular. A lot of people don't want to deal with this. Look, a lot of people just like, you know what? They, this is how, this is what happens sometimes within Christianity. We just kind of make up our mind. Uh, you know what? That's how I view it, and I don't care to hear any more about it. I'm just done hearing about it. And I can understand because it can just become maddening hearing the never-ending debate and arguments about things related to church and state. We can just kind of move on. But don't we have to consider, wait a minute, are we really thinking about this biblically? Because there's so much happening around us. We've got to make sure that we're thinking about the things happening around us in a biblical way, or we then have unbiblical opinions. We express those unbiblical opinions, and we may be supporting unbiblical ideas, which we don't want to do as Christians. So I, I think we have to, I know we may be tired of it, but we've got to talk about it because there's just so much happening that we have to. Another reason I feel like I need to, to continue to talk about this, I think it's very important, is this is, this is just a strange phenomenon, and I cannot even explain this. I, I think it's been going on now. It really goes back to the beginning of the pandemic. It really did. Because at the beginning of the pandemic, 
everyone was talking about Romans 13. So I talked about Romans 13. Obviously, I started challenging how many Christians were thinking. And in and, and my estimation, it was just clear because there were preachers who had heard preached on Romans 13 in the past who now started preaching Romans 13 in the present and their whole views, they came up with completely radically new, tra- tra- you know, interpretations and almost like new translations. And I'm like, what just happened? So I kind of argued, wait a minute. Why are we changing our view in Romans 13? Oh, we're changing our view in Romans 13 when it starts getting a little difficult for us. Then we find a way to get out of it. Well, that's that's garbage. So I kind of called people out for that. Well, ever since then, and I know you're not going to believe this, but this is accurate. At li- Probably at least once a week, minimum once a week, sometimes more, sometimes less. Uh, well, no, never less than one. I, I take that back. Always at least once a week, sometimes more, um, but always at least once a week. Pretty much since the pandemic started and I started challenging people on Romans 13. I get, someone will just send me a link, sometimes with no commentary, no comment. It'll be to a YouTube video. It'll be to an article. It'll be to a sermon. And it's basically on Romans 13, Romans 13, Romans 13. And, And at first I just kind of ignored it, but now it's starting to become a little maddening. Because we can be like, I can be spending 10, 11, 12, 13 hours working on Malachi or Isaiah 7 or Isaiah 8 or Isaiah 9 or Obadiah. And we're spending like, we're digging into deep, 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 deep Bible study, Bible hermeneutics, theology, eschatology. We're going in and while, while there's a group of people who are engaged in the Bible study, Other people, all they can talk about is Romans 13, 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 Romans 13. And and sometimes I want to respond and go, you do realize there's other chapters in the Bible. I, I don't know if you're aware of this. There are other chapters beyond Romans chapter 13, right? And now I haven't responded that way. I try to always be gracious and, and, and I'm thankful they send me the articles, but it's like, you're, you're sending me the, there has to be a reason you're sending me the articles, right? And I'm, and it appears, now some people are sending me articles because they're like, look how bad it's gotten. Like, they're like, hey, I, I agree with you. Look at how crazy this is. Others tend to be, tend to be sending me the articles to say, hey, maybe you should consider this view because your view could be wrong. I do appreciate that. And then some are just sending me articles and I have no idea why they're sending them because they don't tell me. I just don't, but when I look at the article, it's like, well, obviously they're sending me that which they know disagrees with me. And it's like, can I just, do I just now dedicate the Theology Central podcast has now officially become the Romans 13 podcast. And all we're going to talk about every week is Romans 13. I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I can't, I can't spin forever in Romans 13. I just can't. Um, it comes down to really, Either you just want to throw out Romans 13 or you want to modify it to such a degree that it's no longer really applicable. It's really what it comes down to. It's just like, no, uh, we're done with Romans 13. Okay. I, I guess, great. I, it just seems odd. It just seems weird to me. Like when, when, when are the Christian young people going to rise up and say, we're done with any passage of scripture that condemns premarital sex. It's not applicable. It's only for the Corinthians. It's only for that. T- like, let's just throw them. Hey, look, any, anything, any, any verses that would even possibly 
put any form of a restriction on a divorce and remarriage, let's throw them out. Well, the church has pretty much already done that. So we can just throw that out. Okay, what else can we throw out? Let's throw out premarital sex. Let's throw out verses that condemn homosexuality. Let's throw out verses that condemn adultery. I mean, let's just, let's just make a list of the verses we can say no longer applicable. Is that, is that where we go now? Let's just throw them all out. It's been absolutely fascinating to watch. In fact, I think I got an email today. Now, it wasn't really about Romans 13. Let me see if I can find it here. I've got so many articles open here that it's absolutely crazy. All about Romans 13. <laughs> because of all, the, of all the articles that get sent to me on a daily basis. All right. By so many different people. And it's not just one person. Okay. I want to make it very clear. There's so many different people. Some of the people have never emailed me before. They email me a link to a Romans 13 article and then never email me ever again. I, I have no idea. Never, never heard from them. And then all, it's just, it's just really weird. Okay. Um, someone sent me a link here about a new podcast. That looks interesting. I may have to look that up. Okay. All right. Um, all right, so we did we did a discussion about uh, John MacArthur and some comments he made about religious freedom. So someone emailed this, and this is somewhat connected, but just 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 listen to some of this, all right? Because I think they make some good points here. It says, "I watched that sermon from Pastor MacArthur a year ago." So there was a sermon from 2021, January 2021, that all of a sudden everyone's talking about again in, in, in January 2022 because MacArthur makes some comments against uh, religious freedom. Now, a lot of people are saying his comments were taken out of context. You're misrepresenting him. This person watched that sermon from a year ago, stating it was awful. Half the sermon was him tooting his own horn about himself. He said no church was persecuted as much as his church was by the government. From bragging about signing a Bible that was purchased for for an incarcerated man uh, to religious freedom being sinful. They go on to say his hypocrisy, his hypocrisy is obvious, but Christians are all about celebrity now, so they turn a blind eye. I think that's why so many Christians worship Donald Trump like an idol. The pandemic taught me one thing. Christians don't like to be told what to do. I think that's a profound observation. Romans 13 seems to at least indicate that we can be told what to do by the government and we should submit. Now, people immediately say, but not immediately when I'm here, not always, not always. Okay, I, well, calm down, calm down. No one said always. The key is I would have to go through the Bible and look at every time the government was disobeyed. And what you're going to find is if they tell me to start killing babies, I'm gonna, if they tell me drown this baby, kill this baby, then I'm going to have to disobey. If someone tells me to kill a baby, I'm not going to follow that. I would support. I don't think anyone would say, well, no, Romans 13 would tell you if they tell you to kill a baby to kill it. No one's telling you to kill. If they tell you to kill it, then you can disobey. If they say you cannot preach in the name of Jesus. All right. You're going to have to disobey obey that. You can no longer pray. If you pray, you're you're. Obviously, you can disobey. Those are some clear examples. Clear, no one can argue. Those are examples of clear disobedience. All right, fine. But you can't say, well, see, you don't always have to. Then you get to start picking when you don't have to. It would be like, it would be like a teenager going, so if, 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 if I'm a teenager and my mom and dad told me that I have to go kill someone, 
Should I obey my mom and dad? Well, no, if they tell you to do something like that, you don't obey. Okay, so because I don't have to obey them if they told me to kill someone, then I can create other situations where I can disobey. No, we didn't say that. Oh, yeah, you did, because that's how you handle Romans 13. Well, Romans 13 is not about absolute obedience, so that means I can disobey at different times where I choose to disobey. That's, what what craziness is that? But it, it comes down to Christians don't like to be told what to do. Even, uh, even, who, uh, even though taking a temperature at your church door, distancing and masking up are, are, are not sins, uh, grace to you and other churches pridefully refused and cried their religious freedom was under attack. And that is true. Hey, take temperatures of people coming into your church. Social distance, wear a mask. We're not gonna do that. How dare you tell us to do that? Even the minimum, take a temperature, social distance, and wear a mask. We're not going to do that. That's You're going against our religious freedom. We're going to disobey. And Romans 13 doesn't apply. Where are they telling you to commit a sin? Where? Where? Well, I don't believe in any of it. it Romans 13 doesn't say whether you believe the message of the government. It tells you to submit. None of those things are sinful. But it's, it's, it's a prideful, arrogant, rebellious attitude in the heart of many Christians that's causing everyone's issues with Romans 13. And, and that's just so well said. Even though t- taking a temperature at your church door, distancing, masking up are not sins, grace to you and other churches pridefully refused and cried their religious freedom was under attack. They could have cared less about how selfish they look to the rest of the world or how dangerous they could be to others. I mean, that, 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 that's, whether you agree with this person's perspective on MacArthur's sermon, that's irrelevant, all right? They, they obviously didn't like the sermon, and a lot of people had criticisms of the sermon. That's fine. But they make a very valid point that what, the, what we, many churches were asked to do, they wouldn't even do the bare minimum, rebelled against it, and then said Romans 13 wasn't applicable. Well, that's like a teenager saying, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm rebelling against my parents, and I don't think that scripture is applicable. A, a wife saying, you know, I know I'm supposed to submit to my husband, but I don't think that's applicable. Like, at, at what point do we just throw out the, when do we just stop playing games? That, that's the question I have. When do we just say, you know what? The Bible isn't the authority. I'm the authority. I decide what to do. I decide what to do. I decide what not to do. And I will tell you what you should do. And I will tell you if you're wrong, if you do it. Churches love to tell everyone else what to do, right? Churches love to do that. Your church did what? You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. But, whoa, you tell them what to do. And they they bow up and like, I'm not. It's just crazy that Romans 13 is such this like explosive passage of the Bible. And it's like, hey, guys, you really don't understand Romans 13. You really don't know how to interpret it. You see, if you do a little bit of work, you'll realize it's not applicable. What in the world? Based off what? So someone sent me an article. And we spent two parts, really, I think maybe I think maybe two parts work it, maybe three parts. I don't even know anymore how many parts trying to work on Romans 13. And the article was somewhat maddening. And the reason the article was maddening, it never really, it kind of said, 
hey, this is only applicable to them, but didn't really explain why. It tried to make an argument that, well, it's applicable to them only in light of the early stages of Nero's reign, not when real persecution broke out. But then I was easy, it was easy for me just to go find other books in the New Testament that were written during times of great persecution, and the same advice was given, which was to submit to the government. So then, wait a minute, so that didn't, so that didn't even work, all right? So that fails. Then they were like, well, wait, Romans 13 doesn't apply because if you look at the context, if you go back to Romans 12, well, so Romans 12 obliterates that it's applicable because when I go to Romans 12, when I go to Romans 12, I mean, the whole thing is just, it's maddening. It's like, it's like I'm just wandering around in the forest going, I can't find my way out of this, right? So I'm trying to work my way out of this right now, but just making lots of comments about lots of things here. So when I read Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Is that not applicable? Chapter 13 is not applicable. Chapter 12 is. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Is that applicable? See, what most people believe is that Romans 1 through 11 is the theological section of the book. Theology, 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 theology about justification, salvation, on and on and on. Just some very important theological issues. I mean, again, I've been preaching through the book of Romans now for what, a couple of years. So that, this is the way it's usually broken down. When you get to chapter 12, Paul then says, okay, based off all of that theology, now here comes the practical application, the practical living out of that theology. And you start by presenting yourself a living sacrifice to God based off all of his mercy that's been shown to you in salvation. It should be motivated by the mercies of God to now be a living sacrifice and that you are no longer to be conformed to this world. We no longer think like the world thinks. We don't think about government the way the world thinks about government. We don't think about all of these. We think completely different because we're not of this world, right? We're strangers and pilgrims here. We, we, we think completely different. This would all be applicable. Now, in Romans 12, starting at verse 9, according to the article that was sent to me, this is the context that's supposed to somehow, I don't know, fix our understanding of Romans 13. In my estimation, this is how it works. Romans 12 emphasizes we need to be a living sacrifice. That means we're, we're dying to ourselves. So it's not about us anymore in our rights. We need to change. We need a renewed mind. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And this involves all of these attitudes that's going to be laid out in Romans 12, 9 and following including chapter 13, which is the way we now are to think and how a living sacrifice is to deal with civil government. And in chapter 14, how we deal with things like Christian liberty and a weaker brother. All of it's applicable. To just say 12 is applicable, 13 isn't applicable, and 14 is applicable. What kind of crazy hermeneutic, hermeneutic is that? The only reason you want to throw out 13 is because you don't like the current government. What's not supposed to be there to make you get what you want. <laughs> it's not the, the, rule, the rules of scripture are only there until they, they tell me I can't have what I want. Then they don't apply. Who comes up with this craziness? But let's just go through 12, 9 and following one more time. 
Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, honoring, preferring one another. So we are to love. We are to prefer other people before ourselves. Now, if you just start applying Romans 12 verses 9 and following to the pandemic, Christianity would have looked completely different than the way Christianity looked because all I saw in the pandemic was, now how can we love people? How can we put others before ourselves? All I saw in the pandemic were Christians running around going, what about my rights? What about my rights? What about my rights? Forget Romans 13. We weren't even practicing Romans 12. Some churches were, obviously. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Even if you believe we were facing some kind of tribulation, some kind of difficult time because the government was giving us these mandates, we were to demonstrate patience and we were to demonstrate a continuing instant in prayer. We were to be praying more than protesting. We needed to be praying. Distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. We needed to be looking for those who had need and distributing to them. Who were we helping during the pandemic? other than protesting and, you know, filing, you know, court cases to try to prove some point. Bless them which persecute you. When the government was supposedly persecuting us, how were you blessing the government? How, how were churches blessing the government? No, they were filing lawsuits. And you can, you can just go ahead and read all the way through. You can read through this. The whole, the whole attitude here is that, that, we, uh, that we do not avenge ourselves and that we do great things. We, do, we show love to, we overcome evil with good. How are we overcoming the evil government by doing good to the government? What, what we're, where, how are we helping in the middle of a pandemic? What were we doing? No, what we, what we were doing during the pandemic is, you know what's most important? We have a church service. That's more important than anything else. Who cares if over 5 million people globally have died of a pandemic? It's our rights. It's a church service. We better have a church service. That's what matters. When people are dying, we need a church service. Who cares about them? We need a church service because we can't live if we don't have a church service. Now, once the pandemic is over, we got no problem canceling church for a picnic, a fellowship, a football game, bad weather, what Christmas, anything, but, 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 but during a pandemic, we're not going to follow the government because it doesn't apply. Well, that leads us, that leads us right to be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And that immediately goes to chapter 13, which says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. So not only is this the way you are to live when it comes to the government, you are to have an attitude of submission. You are to have an action of submission to the government. And why? Let every uh, soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. I don't know how clear a verse can be. I, I don't even know. How, how clear can that be? But no, 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 not in 2022, not in 2021, not in 2020. All of a sudden it became so convoluted. And so now we have to go, well, why? We, we, let's, let's read it this way and read it that way. And so let me conclude the article that was sent to me. This is just one of, I don't even know how many 
I don't even, I've lost count. I've tried to save them in my notes to my iPad. Save, save. And one day I was just looking like, this is ridiculous. If I try to go through all of these articles on Romans 13, literally I'm just going to have to create a separate podcast. Hey, this is our 753 reading another article attempting to get rid of Romans chapter 13. Here's our 9057 still trying to get rid of trying to deal with all the articles getting rid of Romans 13. All right, here we go. Here's the conclusion of the article that we've already worked on. Through the ignorance of the historical background of Paul's epistle to the Romans as a whole, and his instruction in Romans 13, 1 through 7 in particular, the passage at hand has been grossly misread and misapplied in numerous ways since its original composition. Now, you know what would be very helpful? List every wrong way that it's been interpreted. Now, what I, what I constantly hear is it's misapplied because everyone says Romans 13 means absolute complete submission to the government. I have never heard that. What I have always heard is you obey the government until the government directly forces you to disobey scripture or directly prohibits you from obeying scripture. Other than that, you obey. That's what I've always been taught. The one thing that has been consistent my whole Christian life, I've gone to so many different Bible colleges, so many different seminaries, so many different Bible institutes. I've gone from Catholic university to Protestant, amillennial, premillennial, dispensational, covenant theology. I've gone to them all, right? And you know what's always been consistent? Obey the government unless they force you to disobey or they prohibit you from obeying. It's got to be something specific. It's got to be something. Other than that, you obey. You demonstrate your citizenship in heaven by being a good citizen here on earth. That your earthly citizenship is controlled by your citizenship in heaven. And, and that changes your thinking about human government. You realize it was put there by God. So you're obeying the government in order to obey God. It's just been, it was consistent in the 80s and the 90s, 2000, 2010, 2015, 2016. Maybe it started getting questionable in 2016, maybe, but then Trump won. And then all of a sudden, hey, hey, now we, now you better obey the government. If you don't obey Trump, you're a liberal communist, probably an ungodly heathen who sacrifices babies, babies at midnight. 2007, to, uh, 17, 18, 19, Trump loses. Trump loses, okay? If you're going to email me with your nonsense about Trump didn't lose and it was stolen, okay, I'm tired of hearing that conspiracy theory. All right, Trump loses. And then all of a sudden, uh-oh, and then the pandemic. We have, we have Trump losing and the pandemic. And all of a sudden, Romans 13 doesn't apply. Come on. No, Romans 13 only applies if the government is, is good. See, the government was good under Trump. Didn't you know? Such a godly man. He was good. The, the, the government was good under other presidents, but under oh, uh, this government, it's not good. So now disobey. What? And, and, and don't disobey when it comes to wearing a mask in church. That, that's where you need to dis. That's where, that's, that's where we draw the line in the sand. That is a step too far. That is, that is like, making us kill babies in a river. So if, if this article is going to say it's been so widely abused, show me all the abuses of it. Show me, list them out. 
Show me the commentary. Give me the sermon. I, give me the, the Bible college that completely taught a misunderstanding of Romans 13. Now, I'm not saying there's never been any in church history. I'm not saying there has been, but I'm saying for the most part, Romans 13 has just never been really controversial. I mean, look, there's so many controversial verses in the Bible. Like, so what do we believe about this? I mean, there's so many debates, but Romans 13, I've never even really heard much controversy or debate from it. I've never heard sermons like, okay, like so many other scriptures. You talk about baptism, the Lord's Supper. I mean, go on and on and on. And the pastor has to go, well, there's this view and this view and this view and this view. Romans 13 has been pretty much, here's the basic understanding. It's pretty simple. Let's move on. It's not like, well, there's been like 9,000 different interpretations of this. But according to this, it's been grossly misread and misapplied in numerous ways since the original composition. But it doesn't name the numerous ways. All right. Um, Okay, here we go. Instead of an argument for unthinking obedience. Now, here we go. See, according to this, uh, that Romans 13, that many interpret Romans 13 as giving an argument for unthinking obedience to approval of and participation in governments past and present. Paul here argues for the Christians in Rome not to revolt against the empire and attempt to fully usher in God's kingdom, but to submit humbly to the Roman authorities as they sought to overcome evil with good. Now, I agree. He did teach them to humbly submit. And I will argue the same thing is applied to us because you've not done anything in this article to even to prove in any way, shape or form that it's not applicable. In other words, the, if, if his, if the argument in this article was meant to show that it's not applicable for us now, then I could come up with the same kind of arguments about every book of the Bible. Well, that anything in first Corinthians, that was for the court for, uh, for those at Corinth, anything in Ephesians, that's for the church of Ephesus, anything in Galatia, Galatian, that's for the church of Galatia, Phil, uh, Philippians, the church of Philippi. I can go on and on and on and on. And before we're done, we're just, we don't have anything. We don't have anything. We don't have anything. I mean, you've got, I mean, come on. I, you can come up with better arguments, something not being applicable than what this is provided for, for Romans. Um, having an understanding of both the historical background and the context of this passage in the overall argument of the epistle yields an appropriately nuanced view of Paul's pastoral concern for his audience expressed in these seven controversial verses. They're only controversial because nobody likes them in 2021 or 2022, whatever year we're currently in. Although it is tempting to take the passage out of context and use it to justify opinions on anything from immigration to just war theory, the same hubris that Paul implicitly rebukes in these verses must be resisted if the scriptures are to be heard and appropriated well. All right, so don't take them out of context. All right, so what, what the appropriate context is, well, we've looked at Romans 12, 9 and following. I went all the way back to 12, 1. Yeah, this is the application of all of the theology taught in chapters 1 through 11. And now because of my salvation, because of my justification, I am now to be transformed by the renewing of a mind to think as a Christian now, not to think like someone before their salvation. And this thinking involves so many issues. Christian liberty, how I respond to other people, how I respond to evil and persecution, and how I respond to the government. It's all in the same section that is about application. 
with some, while some may wish that Romans 13 had more to say regarding the relationship between church and state, the passage certainly cannot say less than the main points briefly described above. I agree. It can't say less. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way. It can't say less than what the text says. I don't care what the article says. It can't say less than what the text actually says. <laughs> I think that's important. Romans 13 is not a condensed theology of church and state. Now, here we go. But a specific, historically conditioned pastoral address to the Roman believers, diverting them from rebellion and urging them towards humble submission in order to protect their testimony and thereby enhance their effectiveness in God's redemptive mission. All right. So again, it, it almost, this, this article doesn't do anything. So what are you telling me? Look, it's, I, let me help people who write articles. In conclusion, I am saying Romans 13 doesn't apply to us today, or I'm saying Romans 13 applies to us today in the following three ways. One, two, three, or A, B, C. It's not hard to write a conclusion. This doesn't give me anything other than trying to say that this, this is pastoral concern for people in a certain historical situation. Implication is not for me in 2022. But tr- but I, I, I bet you chapter 12 is for me. I bet you chapter 13. Oh, I bet you Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. Oh, I bet you all of that is, ha- has application for me. And I bet you his teaching on justification applies to more than just the people at Rome. I bet you it applies to me today too. Isn't that, isn't that convenient? Isn't that convenient? I, I don't know what to say. Now, I've been sent another pass, another article called the Re- Reformation's Revolution of Romans 13. All right. And so uh, I'm just going to read the, I'm going to try to read the first paragraph and the last paragraph and not try to work through all of this. Because once again, how many of these articles do I have to work through? I, I, I don't look, here's the thing. If you disagree with me on Romans 13, fine. I mean, Christianity is going your direction. You win. Yay. Don't obey Romans 13. Disobey. Don't pay your taxes. Just break any law you want. Go ahead. I I don't care. I mean, at this point, I don't care what the rest of Christianity does. I'm not, my, my directions don't come from you. They come from scripture. And you can try to rip Romans 13 out of my hands all you want. But as long as it's in my Bible, I'm going to say, I got to figure out how this applies to whatever situation I find myself, whether the government is good, whether the government is bad, whether the situation makes it easy on me or whether the situation makes it difficult on me. And I'm not going to just throw it out because some poorly written article comes along and says, well, you know, or at least implies, again, I, I, I can't completely interpret the intent of that article because it's so it's so vague it uses lots of words but it gets specific there are people today going what do i do with romans 13 well you know just think about it more in a historical way and just forget about it i I, that's that's you that's useless because romans 13 is not the only passage that talks about these kinds of situations paul mentions them in other passages peter mentions it so even if you get rid of Romans, I can go to other passages and establish the same concepts. 
right? So I'm just going to read some of this, this paragraph. I, whether it's helpful or not, I, at this point, I'm just trying to find my way back to the road. I'm so far off in the woods here. All right, here we go. When the reformers argued that Romans 13 established God as the direct, efficient cause of civil magistry, they put themselves in a bit of a pickle. Now, let me, let me make it right So when the reformers established God as the direct, efficient cause of the civil magistrate, let every soul be subject unto higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Did, did the reformers write that? Did, the, did the, the reformers, oh man, bad on you reformers. Get your hands off Romans 13. Paul would have never written anything like that. So, but it supposedly put them in a pickle. Let me make it very clear. I, I, oh man, this drives me so, so crazy. Let me once again, it, Romans doesn't create these problems. You know what creates all the problems when it comes to God's sovereignty and him ordaining certain things to come to pass, et cetera, et cetera. The problems start in Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Why? Because a God who knows everything that's going to take place in his creation goes forth and creates it knowing there's going to be sin, there's going to be rebellion, there's going to be death, there's going to be hell. No matter how you want to get him off the hook, he created it knowing what was going to happen and he never had to create it. And there's some of the things he could have done to avoid it. He didn't have to create Satan who was going to rebel. And even if he created Satan who was going to rebel, he could have destroyed him and never allowed him to come to earth. And and even even if you allowed him to come to earth, he could have kept him out of the garden. But he let him in the garden knowing Eve was going to sin. Once Eve sinned, he could have destroyed Adam and Eve and then ended everything. But no, he allowed them to produce children knowing that those children are going to be born with a sinful nature and it's going to be rebellion, 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 sin, 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 death, death, death. And when you get to Genesis 6, he could have said, well, this did go very well just wipe out everyone including Noah and then I can just end this nope he, he allows Noah to, to have an ark but guess what comes off the ark oh yeah the sinful nature and you're right back to where you started so you you can try to get God off the hook well you know when when the when the reformers argued that God established basically the who was the efficient cause of the civil magistrate they put themselves into bit, a bit of a pickle. Did they put themselves in the pickle or did scripture put us all in this very difficult philosophical position? For of course, no one wants to make God the author of evil. And while it is quite clear then as now that civil magistrates often do a heck of a lot of evil, amen. Now, so you, you look, we can play all the games we want. Okay, okay, God didn't really ordain them. Well, then how did they get there? So what, what God created a world knowing that that government was going to get there, but he didn't really want them there. But he created the world knowing they were going to be there. But he didn't want them to be there. <laughs> he still knew they were going to be there. So if he knows there's going to be there, even if he doesn't actually put them there in a default position, he knows they're going to be there and he does nothing to stop it. But okay. So let's go here. Of course, Calvinists are used to rebutting the charges that predestination makes God the author of evil. We distinguish between his direct providence and his indirect providence or between what he actively ordains and what he passively permits. But this wouldn't quite do for civil magistry 
because of the reformers were clear that Romans 13 wasn't just about God's providential control over rulers, but the very direct ruling in, with and under them, if we may borrow sacramental language. A solution, but one that was to prove treacherous, was to be found in their additional conviction that Romans 13 intended to, be, to a, provide a blueprint for the rationale of proper functioning civil authority or the proper function of civil authority. You, we, Here's the thing. God, who's all-knowing and all-powerful, created a world knowing exactly what was going to happen. You can try to sit there and play all the philosophical games you want about what he did, didn't do. Did he allow it? Did he, did he directly cause it? You can, you can try to play all of those games and all of those notifications as the Edify Christian Podcast app telling me all of these new podcasts have just dropped episodes. Man, there's a lot. Um, the Edify Christian Podcast app, there's so many things that get dropped on such a consistent basis. But I'm sorry, I just always have to tell you what that noise is because I don't want you thinking, focusing on what the noise was and not what I'm saying. All right, so they, they go on to talk about a lot here. And so uh, they go on to say this. Um, uh, all right. Actually, the last paragraph is not of not much help. Uh, they, they go on to try to argue through all of this. Um, and let, let me just try. So let me just do it this way. Let me just do it this way. Because I want to get us out of this to some way, shape, or form. You can try every trick you can come up with to say, okay, God didn't really put the government in power. And if God didn't really put the government in power, then I'm not bound to keep, to, to follow God. Well, here's what I know. God works all things according to his good purpose and pleasure. He works all things after the counsel of his will. He does, he's in charge. Now, how that all plays out when I see this happening and this happening and this happening, we can spend all day trying to, you know, take it apart and trying to, 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 to explain it and, and, and explain it away. And you'll just spend the rest of your life trying to figure it out. Here's what I know. God's in charge. He created the world. God is all powerful and all knowing, knowing exactly what was going to happen. God clearly intervenes at different times in church history, within history, I should say, Clearly in the Old Testament, sometimes in very dramatic ways, God can enter in a very dramatic way or he could use ordinary means to intervene. He could use an ordinary mean that nobody would even see and just clearly direct something not to happen. But things happen. So God somehow is allowed, whether you want to say he's directing it, ordaining it, allowing it, you, you can make up, you can come up with every terminology to try to, to, try to break it apart and try to do, do what you can. Bottom line is God is in charge. And here's what I know. There's governments. Some governments are good. Some governments are bad. None of them are perfect. None of them are holy. None of them are godly because they are, well, by sinful men are in charge of those governments. Here's what I know. My focus is not on the government. It's on the kingdom of God. My focus is to preach the gospel the Great Commission, disciple people, live my life for God's glory and focus on that because my, that my, my home is not in this world. My citizenship is in heaven. I'm not focused here. I'm an alien and a stranger here. I'm focused heavenward, right? Doing my best here to live out a godly life, ministering to people, loving people, turning the other cheek, doing all of those things I'm supposed to do and how I engage people, right? 
right? Forgiving, turn the other cheek. That's how I'm supposed to conduct myself. But when I look to the government, here's what I can say. That government is there. So whether I want to say God put it there or God allowed it to be there, it's there and God could remove it whenever he wants. Romans 13 seems to clearly imply that he ordained it and put it there. That government may do evil. Why did God allow it to be there? Don't know. It's not for me to know. Why would God create a world where he knew evil was going to be? Why would he create an angelic being named Satan whom he knew would rebel? Why, 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 why? If the Bible doesn't give me the answer to the why, there's there's no reason for me trying to figure out the why. My, the question is from a biblical perspective, what do I do when the government is in place? Here's what I do. I live out my Christian life to the best of my ability. And hopefully living out my Christian life will make me a good citizen. Hopefully it will make me uh, something good and beneficial for society, not hurtful and damaging to society. And I look to that government and I seek to obey, submit and honor and pray for that government as much as possible. I do everything I can to live peaceably with men as much as possible. But there comes a point where I can no longer obey said government. That is when they force me to, like, say, kill babies, force me to kill people, forbid me to preach in Jesus' name, forbid me to pray. There may come a point where I have to stand against the government. But those have to be very, very specific situations, very, 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 very thought out in light of all of Scripture and try to determine the most godly situation possible. What Christians in America have been, this is what blows my mind. We're not dealing with Nazi Germany rounding people up and killing 6 million Jews. We're dealing with a government that in the middle of a pandemic that's killed 5 million people, that the government has asked American churches to do things like take a temperature, wear a mask, social distance, Reduce the number of people in your sanctuary to only a 25% capacity. Some states may have gone so far to say, just move all services to online streaming. You may think that last thing goes a step too far, but there's millions of things you can do before you even get there. So what can you do if you feel like that last one is too far? Well, first of all, don't compare it to Nazi Germany and we've got to stand against Hitler. Okay, at least don't act like an insane person, right? And say, okay, here's the thing. Man, I don't like the fact they're telling us that we can only live stream. I don't like this. But to be fair, governments can issue a evacuation warning during a hurricane and would not let us go to church. And there's, there's, There could be a wildfire warning and they could tell us to evacuate and we couldn't use the church. And we allow that. So here they believe there, there's a public safety issue at hand and they're telling us not to have services. So we have to decide, so what do we do here? Do we obey? How long do we obey? What do we do? So here's something we can do. All right, well, we can temporarily obey. But in the meantime, I'm going to talk to the government agencies and say, look, we don't want to cause any trouble. We want to be the best citizens we can be. We want to live peaceably among you. We don't want to cause any trouble. And we don't want to hurt anyone in anyone in this neighborhood or anyone in this community. At the same time, you're also doing everything you can to be helping the community. Say, but here's what we're going to do. I know you're saying we can't have services, but we're willing to do the following. Temperatures at the door. All the staff who would be present 
We will ensure that we are tested to make sure that we do not have COVID before we walk into the building. We can do testing. Um, oh, we can uh, social distance. We'll have everyone wear a mask and we will reduce the capacity to say 25, 20% and we'll just have multiple services, with just smaller numbers. We're willing to do that. Can you work with us? That, that, that's something that you can do. And you're still trying to obey God and trying your best to, to follow. But somehow that's, that's compromise. Because what I have seen is not churches going, wait a minute, how can we work this out? It's been churches like, it's, it's either or. Like, it's like, okay, we're going to do everything to go. No, it, it, when I say either or, it, it's basically, it goes like this. This is what I've seen. There, there's other churches who have obeyed, but I'm going to talk about churches who, who don't want to obey. It's they basically, it's like, we are going to have a complete in-person service, no social distancing, no mask required. We're not going to follow one stinking rule, period. Or you can try to shut us down. Like they're not willing to have any, any reasonable, meaningful discussion and compromise. It's like none. And re- and then ultimately what follows, if you listen closely, oh, we don't believe that we don't believe in the pandemic. We believe it's all a lie. And then believe in conspiracies. And then they usually start pre- spreading false information and bearing false witness, which is a sin. Oh, wait, oh, wait, wait. Is, is bearing false witness and spreading false information, is that still a sin or is that no longer applicable either? I mean, Romans 13 is not applicable. What's applicable anymore? It's just like, it's just really weird. Like it's, no, we're not going to do anything. Well, why can't you do some things? Like, is it, is it, is it going to kill you to do some things? That's what drives me crazy. It's like, it's so weird. It's like, nobody's willing to even think about what could possibly be done. So, um, under this article, And they go through this, and I know there's a lot more to this article. I probably shouldn't even started reading, uh, reading this. Uh, it, it seems like they get into a discussion here about somehow di- making a distinction between the person and the office. So, uh, and again, it, it's like, what, what's crazy when you read these articles, it's just how far they're going to try to find some way out of it. It's like, When just here's the thing, when you have to spend so much time trying to argue what appears to be clear, shouldn't that tell you something? Like when when like you have a text before you that seems pretty obvious and you got to spend like hours and hours and hours trying to explain it away. That's oh, I'm not saying that's that's never a, a right thing to do. I'm just saying it's at least concerning. So let me just end this way. Romans 13, one through seven. All right, I got two things I need to do to, to conclude here. All right, so let's just read this. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Will thou then be uh, not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. And I just think that Romans 12, 9 through 21 really emphasizes this. If you're out there doing that kind of good, loving people, helping people, serving people, turning the other cheek, overcoming evil with good, uh, I think that 
that even even some questionable governments would probably see you as, man, I don't know if we really want to hurt these people or I think these people are beneficial to the community. Look at how they're helping people during a pandemic. Look at what they're trying to do. Oh, man, do we really want to make a rule to hurt them? They're helping so many people. Look what they're doing. They're feeding people. They're they're look at they're providing this. They're helping. They're asking hospitals what they need and they're they're trying to give money to give them the supplies they need. Look what they're doing. Man, I don't know if we want to go after them. I mean, that's just a thought. Um for he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, he, uh, be afraid. For he that beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, revenge, uh, uh, revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Now, again, we know governments don't always fulfill these instructions and these uh, uh, descriptions correctly. Just like we don't always follow everything directly, governments don't always follow everything correctly. Or not directly, but correctly. We don't always follow everything correctly, neither do they. Now, when they don't, when they start doing things that are wrong, then that puts us in a position of now, what do we do? And that's where we have to make clear biblical decisions on what we do next. Wherefore, you put, you, you must, wherefore, you must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause, pay ye tribute also, for there are God's ministers attending continually upon the very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, Tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom is custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And then it goes right into loving one another, which would be applicable. That's what we try to do. Is it always going to be easy? No. At times, can you be put in some horrible situations where you've got to make some tough decisions? Absolutely. I just don't know if, hey, can you guys wear a mask, social distancing, take a temperature and reduce the capacity in your sanctuary to 25% until we get a grip on this pandemic? No! How dare you, you Nazis! <laughs> We're being persecuted! We're in China! Okay, come on now. It's like a teenager. Hey, clean your room. <laughs> you toxic mother. You want me to clean my room? What kind of ungodly parent are you? You're kind of a dictator. This is a tyranny. This is child abuse. I'm calling CPS. <laughs> Not CBS, CPS, Child Protective Services. And that's, I mean, come on. Can we at least keep it in some kind of rational perspective? Here's the thing. Don't let Fox News impact your view. Think it through. Think it through. I, I, I don't even know why it's that complicated. And, I, and again, I've said before, you know what should dictate how we handle ourselves during a pandemic? Shouldn't even be the civil government, really. It should be scripture. What scriptures? Put others before yourself. Love other people. Serve other people. Care for people. View life as something that is sacred before God and you want to preserve it because you believe in the sanctity of life and we're supposedly pro-life. Sorry, trying to drink water while talking. It's, I don't I don't even know what to do. I kind of want to go through this article and try to figure out all of their arguments here 
But um, again, it just it just it just become an exercise in futility. Okay, well, we are to respect the office, but that doesn't mean we always have to obey the person. We we show reverence to the office, but we may disobey the person. I mean, like you can try to make all the distinctions you want. Well, God, God allowed it, but he didn't put it in power. I mean, come on, you can, you can, you can. The bottom line comes down to this. Like, I'm going to make it simple. What is your responsibility to the government as a Christian? Your responsibility to government is to obey as much as possible. End of story. Is there ever a time to disobey? Does scripture show people disobeying? Absolutely. So guess what? There would be times you could disobey when those criteria are met. Hey, go kill the the babies. Okay, well, I can't do that. I can't, I can't, I can't do that. Don't preach in Jesus name anymore. Well, I'm sorry. I'm still going to have to preach in Jesus name. Don't pray ever again. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to pray because I'm told to pray without ceasing. If they, if they said on, on January 23, everyone in America will drink enough alcohol to get drunk. Okay. I can't do that because the Bible says I can't get drunk. Sorry. Can't participate in that. On January the 24th, everyone will engage in sexual relationships. Everyone who's over 18 will. Okay, whether you're married, but it won't be with your, but you cannot have engaged in sexual relations with your spouse. If you're married, it has to be with someone else, has to be with a stranger. If you're not married, you have to find someone. So it's going to be a day of fornication and adultery. You will participate. Okay, well, I don't think I can do that because scripture says I can't. You see, those are, those are clear examples. Somehow we've taken these things that would be clear and obvious, and we now clouded, made it all well, Romans 13 doesn't really apply, so we don't have to follow any of the rules in regards to a pandemic. So we, we, can, we can do what we want. So I don't, I don't know what else I can say. I do, there's another article that I want to read. Uh, I've got to find it. Someone sent it. I, there's so many articles. I don't, hopefully I've got it saved somewhere. Someone sent me an article where some church tried to argue that Romans 13 is not, applying to, uh, it's not referring to civil government, that that's referring to the, <laughs> to the government of the church, that every Christian is to submit themselves to the church, and the church obviously doesn't bear the sword in vain. And so this is about submitting yourself to the church. What in the world Okay, well, let's just say that's true. What does that look like? Can you ever leave your church? What what does obedience to your church looks like? Because I've seen Christians leave their church whenever they want to leave their church. So, but I mean, first of all, it's just, that's no, that is no, that's not talking about the church. That's not talking about the church. It's talking about the civil government. It's just absolutely astonishing what Christians are doing. They're just going crazy. They're finding anything. Some of them sound very academic sounding, but when you're done with all of the academic sound, all they've done is try to parse and splice and break apart to make it as, as ir- to make it Romans 13 as irrelevant as it can be so that they can do what they want to do. That's not how we handle ourselves. Now, it's, we're at 59 minutes. This took much longer than I wanted, but that's okay. I needed, I needed to feel like I've, I could, did as much as I could. I'm sorry. I know some people are going to be like, you should have read that article. The people who sent me articles, you should have read my article. Okay, I know. Probably I should have, okay? Because then you would have convinced me that we all need to abandon Romans 13. What I want you to do, though, and I still challenge you to do this, 
And if you go to theologycentral.net to the blog section, you'll find it. The Free Grace Broadcaster, issue 258, Church and State. I still want you reading it. Uh, The next article we've looked at uh, of the civil magistrate. That was the first article, which is basically a quote from the London Baptist Confession of Faith. The next one is the magistrate and the church. Um, And uh, let's see, where is it? Yeah, magistrate and the church. And it says the institutional power of God manifests itself in two ways on earth. Through the physical sword of the magistrate, the instrument of the state, and through the spiritual sword of the word of God wielded by the church of God. Now, it will be interesting to see what they have. We will try to work through some of these. And I don't know how far we're going to go, but we have to continue talking about these things because I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, 2022, this is going to be another year of more debates and and I think almost a, a selfish, prideful, rebellious spirit sweeping across the church where we care more about our rights and what we want in the middle of a pandemic. We care, we care more about having another church service in the middle of a pandemic than figuring out what our moral responsibility would be to people suffering in a pandemic. That to me doesn't even have anything to do with the state. That has everything to do with my responsibility before God, according to his word. That's what, that's what's confused me. Like, I don't, I don't need the state to tell me what to do. I'm like, I'm a human being. We're in the middle of a pandemic. People are getting sick and dying and we have a virus that's spreading. It's highly contagious. What do we do? I don't sit there and go, well, only this many people died, so I don't really need to do anything. No, there seems to be a concern. All right, so what is my moral response? I need to focus on what my moral responsibility is before God, before I even worry about Romans 13. I think, I think so much of the church's decisions could have been made without ever worrying about the federal government. Just based off what is, what is our moral responsibility to our fellow man as believers? But I, I guess that's even too complicated. So, all right, I'll end there. Newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. And you can keep saying it, please, for, to all, everyone out there. I'm not trying to be harsh about you sending me all the articles in Romans 13. I just want you to just realize that in some cases, it does seem a little like, hey, we're over here figure, studying Obadiah. And like, here's another, another one on Romans 13. Hey, we're trying to figure out Micah. You know, 15 hours of, of broadcast on Micah. Here's Romans 13. It's like, you know, you could join us in studying other parts of the Bible. You, you could join and be a part of the, the actual Bible study exercises. Uh, you, you could do that. But trust me, trust me. Whenever we get done with Romans 8, we get done with 9, and we get done with 10, and we get done with 11, and we get done with 12, we will study Romans chapter 13 in as much detail as possible. All right, I'll stop right there. Newsif at yahoo.com. I'm done. I am done. I've been here since 8 o'clock in the morning with a, just a little break. I, I, I'm done. I, I, I don't think I can do any more today. So I, I think it's time to stop and I, I hate that I had to spend an hour on this, but I felt like I had to do something. So there you have it. I, I, if you disagree, that's that's fine. Okay, you know, look, you know what? That's fine. Just just go on and you handle the government the way you want. I, I think I've made my position pretty clear and I, I don't know why it would be controversial, but someone won't like it. I can tell you that. 
Today, you just say anything about Romans 13, someone's going to disagree with you. That's kind of really where we are, and which is kind of frightening. All right, I'll stop right there. Everyone have a great night. God bless.